When the world has got you down. Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here's your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and Cassie Cruz. All you gotta do is sing a song. Hello, I'm Susie Singer-Carter. And I'm Cassie Cruz. Yay, <laughs> welcome to Love Conquers All. We are so grateful um, that you are here with us. And we have a special guest today. Her name is Lisa Cortez. And she has worked in the medical field for over 30 years. She is a occupational therapist assistant. And Lisa works um, and treats patients with difficulty performing daily living and work activities due to illness or disabilities. And Lisa plays an important role in working directly with patients with Alzheimer's, providing solutions to the patients, family, and caregivers in developing a safe and supportive environment for the Alzheimer's patient. Isn't that great? Oh my God, do tell. And I just <laughs> want to say that, that Lisa Lisa works in um, the Toledo area. So uh, she's from Ohio, people. Oh, Give good. a shout out for the Ohioans. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, my first question before we dive in is like, what is the difference between an occupational therapist and an occupational therapist's assistant? Okay, so the actual therapist, when they see a patient, when a new admission comes in, they go in and do the evaluation, and then the assistant will go ahead and treat the patient based off their goals. Got it. Okay, got it. So you're the hands-on. Correct. So can you explain to us what you do on a daily basis? And and it, and even though I know it's for everybody, because this is a really important uh, area that not everybody really understands, because truly, I just started doing physical therapy myself uh, like a year ago, and I fell in love mm-hmm. with it. I didn't realize how much it has changed my my body and how much I needed it. So could you discuss that a little bit on, on how that is, it, uh, specifically dealing with Alzheimer's, you know, uh, patients or caregivers or families in that area? So we do different things. So we do um, strengthening with exercise, um, strengthening to increase their strength to do transfers and standing. And we work on their balance. The main thing is um, getting them back into their activities of daily living and um, trying to keep them able to do their functional task on their own in, as long as they can. Bathing, dressing, sequencing their tasks, being able to do them without being cued. You know, we a lot of times we have to do cueing and t- help them sequence their tasks depending on what stage they're in. Well, you have to explain that a little bit more. What do you mean by cueing and by sequencing their tasks? So uh, when I go into a patient's room, um, for the most part, my first part of my day is I'm assisting them getting up and getting them ready for their day. So I have to kind of guide them and tell them what to do. So I'll, you know, I'll walk in and say, okay, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, we're going to get up and get ready for breakfast. Um, You got to kind of give them, you know, one, two word directions. um, Because if you start going with too much, they get really distracted. They get um, anxious and agitated. And then they'll shut down. Right. Then they'll shut down. So we slowly will sit up at the edge of the bed. Um, and depending on their strengths, you know, and like I said, depends on their stage also. So if it's in early stages, 
it's easier that they can do a little bit more themselves. So it's not so much um, on me. Right. And if it's, and if it's too much, then I have to get help. So I'll ask for a nursing assistant or at times a physical therapy will help me too. So we'll work together just depending on the patient's abilities. But then we'll start with their self-care, you know, and um, we'll pick an outfit out and I'll give them either two choices because you can't give them too many or again, they'll get overwhelmed. So it's like we have two outfits. Which one would you like to wear today? And then they'll pick one out. Um, or sometimes they'll say, it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and pick one for me. And then we'll go into the bathroom. You know, I, I tell them what to do, you know, okay, we're going to stand up now and hold the walker. And sometimes we got to direct them with every task, um, wash your, your face, brushing your teeth. This is the toothbrush because sometimes they'll pick up something else and think it's a toothbrush and it's not. Um, yep. 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 That's how we start the day. I have a, a this, yeah, that's amazing. That it reminds me of my, when my mom lived with me, she had mm-hmm. to be cued. So if someone is in a later stage, not to like bring it all home to my situation, but I see they have the compression socks on my mom. So because she yes. is stationary and um, I always wonder what else is good. Is she in a facility? Or yes, she she's home? in a facility. Yes. Do they offer the therapy or is she done with that? I think she's done with it because she's she's in she's in skilled nursing areas but Lisa, the- don't they don't they still even if she is it, especially if she's in a wheelchair or, or, or they're they're you know in, impacted in their movement isn't there some type of uh, physical activity that still needs to occur to keep make sure they don't get bed sores or that type of stuff and they should um just you know just like moving the her and standing her um and i'm not sure if she's using a lift or is she is a person assisting her a person Um, assists her when they move her into the wheelchair if it's a guy he'll pick her up and put her there and of course he he loves that if it's a guy (laughs) hello we all love that hello (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and some facilities have a restorative program where they will come in and and do the exercises or they'll have activities that will have a sit and be fit program and they'll do exercises for a half an hour. And um, we we really encourage our patients to get involved in that too, especially if they're not on therapy anymore. Right. I mean, exercise is key. Tell tell us about, tell us about that a little bit, Lisa. So like if somebody's a caregiver and they're, they're, you know, they're either at home or they're in a facility, if they're visiting with their family member that has Alzheimer's, what right. might be a nice activity that might be beneficial? As long as they're not in any pain, um, you don't want to create any more pain than what they're in, if they have any. And, you know, there's um, raising their arms up and down, um, doing bicep curls and punch outs and bringing their arms out to the side. I mean, that's what I, that's what we do is the upper body. And then there's also the physical therapy will do the lower body and have them do some marching, sitting in the wheelchair and do leg kicks. We can have them do the can-can in the chair. Let's dance. Right, right. You can also get a balloon, <laughs> have them tap a balloon because they're doing some dynamic sitting and they're working on their, their core, you know, working on their trunk support. So that way they can sit upright, you know, in a, in a better position while they're eating and things like that um, and doing their self-care. And, and like I said, it depends on the stage. And sometimes um, because they have a hard time following directions, you do have to do hands-on um, and you're doing hand over hand and where you're, you're going to guide them and do the exercise pretty much for them. 
but they're, you know, then you'd be surprised. Sometimes they're going to engage in it too. Or sometimes they're going to pull away and say, I'm done. And then after a few minutes, you could start again because sometimes they won't remember what you just did. I have a question because we, you know, you always hear about, oh, she was doing really, really well. And then she fell and broke her hip and then died. Right. And yeah. what is that? Like, why, why is this, the, the breaking of the hip often signal like the, the, the beginning of the end, um, you know, they're older, they're, they're hard to rebound. Um, I'm not really, you know, medically sure of the exact reason, but sometimes it just takes them, takes them completely out. Um, Cause they are, they're doing really good. Then they fell. And then sometimes it can just do so much to a person, especially in the elderly or depending on the disease, it just triggers it. It just exacerbates it. And I had, a, I had a patient who um, only 60 years old, beginning stages of Alzheimer's, and dementia, Ugh. and he ended up having to have a hernia surgery, um, you know, and they warned the family that this could exacerbate it and that he would decline fast. And that is exactly what happened. Um, he was doing okay before the surgery. Um, after the surgery, he came out of it and his behaviors were so different and so enraged and I mean, they had to exact, exactly go back and admit him to the ER and get him admitted up to the hospital. Was that a surgery that was that was absolutely necessary uh, for him and to Unfortunately, continue? it was. Yeah, so it's like yeah. you're kind of like between a rock and a hard place. Like, what's the right decision? Because you don't, right. you'd have to move forward and, and hope that that wouldn't happen, right? I think that it would, it's interesting for the listeners to know that if, if someone with Alzheimer's has a surgery, it can exasperate the disease. Right. And, and not everybody is that way, but you, there's that chance there's that one person that is, it could happen to. And, and I, I actually seen it. I, I have a question for you on the emotional mm -hmm. side. How do you deal with that with them and their family members? We do a lot of education. We try to help them with resources and we um, get the get them directed to the right people to help them with whatever, you know, they may need counseling. They may need somebody to work with them on the financial end of it um, or what's next part of it, you know, um, depending on the stage that they're in, you know, and, and then there's, there's patients that don't have family at all. So, you know, luckily when they're, in with therapy and you know we, we are we are big advocates for them so you know we also make sure that they're taken care of properly and, and their needs are met um we inform people what they need and if there's something going on because we're with them every single day do you, you know, become their emotional support then and and love them and give them that kind oh, of yes. energy of course we're their we're their advocate they don't feel deprived of that because that can make you not be right. healthy correct Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes there's patients that, you know, they don't have any clothes. So luckily, you know, I know where to get some because we have people that donate and um, people that have left have been discharged and, you know, they leave their clothes. So, you know, it makes them feel better when they can get dressed and you make sure that they have them and um, they feel a lot better once they're all done and dressed and ready to go versus sitting in a room by themselves in a gown. There's so many angels. That's amazing. She's amazing. She's yeah, amazing. she's a she's a great person. I know Lisa personally. I've known her for many, many years. And she's like that in life. And Lisa, this is like the perfect profession for you. It's really beautiful. Oh. How wonderful Correct. that you're giving that to the people that might not have that. When my mom was um, at a different facility, the last facility she was at, there was quite a few people that didn't have 
family that visited. And so, and I would go and I would, I got very close to a lot of the residents. And what happens is you lose some of them and I would be heartbroken. There was an older gentleman who was 94 years old who became my boyfriend, basically, Jack. Mm -hmm. He was um, a celebrated war hero and then became a judge for 40 years and had a story that was remarkable and didn't talk to anybody until I walked in. He would sit in his wheelchair with with a hoodie on. And when he'd see me, he'd go, Susie Singer Carter, I love you. Come here. (laughs) (laughs) And so... And, then, and he'd take his hood down. He had this beautiful white hair, right? And so every mm-hmm. time I would see him, I'd go over to him and he'd go, you know, I love you, right? And I go, I know you do. And he goes, I, I love you too. And he goes, we're not going to have sex, are we? I go, <laughs> no, Jack, we're not going to have sex. He goes, then will you scratch my back? Yes, I'll scratch your back. <laughs> I know. I know. It's... And, so- you know. Those are great. Those are, the moments. those are great stories. There, it was beautiful. Those, it was beautiful. Moments. Those are the moments that matter. Right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Those are the ones that get you through the day. Yep. Yep. And when he died, I cried. I cried. Yep. And it was like I lost a family member. So how as a caregiver going day to day, how you get through that. So it's very hard, especially if we lose them. And I'm, I'm very close with one of my patients that um, I've been with him for four years. He's been in our facility for four years. And he heard that I was going to Bradenton, Florida, and he said, you know, my best friend from high school lives there. Would you mind looking him Aww. for me? So, so I did. And, you know, we met at his little spot, the BFW, which was not very far from where we're staying. And, you know, we got pictures and then I was able to take his picture back to my patient and I got his picture and, and got them both like a side by side frame so they could look at each other. Because my patient's like, I'll never see him oh again. Oh, my God. And this is so beautiful. Wow, Lisa. That is such a beautiful story that you were able to fulfill his request to be connected again. Mm-hmm. And because of you, he was able to do that. So when you came back home, tell, tell us what, what that meant to him. Oh, he was very grateful. Um, he, and he hugged me, of course, and said, thank you. And, you know, let me know when you go back and I'll call him and... We need more people like you, though, Lisa, because honestly, there are a lot of people, like you said, don't have family. They don't, you know, and for you, I mean, I'm just so touched that you would bring clothes to people that don't have clothes. And I mean, so uh, what the message to me is like people that are listening and you have a family member in an assisted living and maybe you live on the other side of the country, you know, make sure that someone is advocating for your family member or your friend that you love. Like, and mm-hmm. hopefully you can connect with someone as lovely as Lisa and who will, will help advocate for them because obviously we can't always be right there for our family members and, or loved ones. So, and I want to ask Lisa a question. Lisa, yes. how do you deal emotionally with what you have to, after you've caregived all day for all those people and you see all different types and, and, and that energy, what do you do to clear yourself and to make sure you take care of yourself? So That's you're, a great you're question. You're recharged. <laughs> well, I exercise. That's what really helps me. Um, and I, I run. So I try to at least run three days a week if I can. Um, you know, just depending on how my day is at work, long days. Um, but that's what I do. I, I, I exercise, eat, exercise, eat right, and just take care of myself. So that way I can keep going. Good shopping is always helpful. Yeah. <laughs> shopping is good. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, all, everybody loves to shop except me. <laughs> I'm like sorry. The worst therapy ever. Please don't do it. That's torture. <laughs> I like having nice things. I just don't like going to get them. Oh my God. It's, right. it's, it's, it's like, it's such a drug of choice. What is that wrong? Is it <laughs> no. wrong? <laughs> no, I like shopping too. Thank you. Lisa, when I'm in Ohio, you, you and me's we're going. Okay. You know, okay, you know what I'm good. talking about, right? <laughs> sounds good. You know? <laughs> um, Lisa, will you share some other stories about the people that you are caring for? Maybe they weren't so great. Maybe they were really right. rough for you because I think that the rough things and the ugly things need to be discussed. So we know that, yes, we might do our best. Right. So there's a particular patient that I work with too, that has Alzheimer's dementia and it depends on her behaviors or her mood because sometimes their um, behaviors fluctuate and they're very irritable or it's just not good time. They're very agitated. So she'll say, I don't want any help. I don't want you here. You just need to leave. You just need to go. Sometimes as soon as they hear that word therapy, they want no part of it. You know, we have some that love us, but then there's some that don't at all. What I do is I will go out, go see somebody else, come back in. And so that whole situation that we just had was de-escalated and then maybe she'll start working with me again. That's such great advice. Yep. You're redirecting by restarting it, restarting that whole thing. Correct. For that for that second, it wasn't ready. And then when you come back, no. yeah, that's, no, that's I, super important. I just tell her, you know, I just tell them, okay, you know, this isn't a good time. I'll check on you a little bit later. I, you know, I hope you feel better. Get some rest and I'll come back, you know, and, and that's what I do. Sometimes it might be till, you know, a little bit later just to give them that time, Um but that's kind of how you have to handle those situations. Totally. And sometimes you can return and they go, where have you been? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been waiting. <laughs> right. Well, I was just here, but yeah. uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to regurgitate that one. No, 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 no. My, my, right. um, my, my mom's caregiver who used to be my daughter's nanny. So she's part of our family. Right. And so she would come to clean my mom's home. Right. And this is when my mom had um, Alzheimer's. So she would come and, and it would be on her time that she'd be there. She'd knock on the door and my mom would say, what are you doing here? You're already here yesterday. Go home. You can't, what are you trying to make more money? Get, go. Bye. And I didn't know this until years later. Erlanda told me this. Erlanda would wait five minutes, ring the doorbell again. And my mom would open and go, Erlanda, coming for some coffee. Where were you? Right. I missed you. <laughs> right. I, that's the real, that's the reality though. And that's the thing that I think that all of us need to really um, dial in on. Like, listen, people that mm -hmm. have Alzheimer's, they have a memory loss. So, you know, sometimes it's not you, why fight them at that moment? Let them right. have what, let them have that reality. Yeah. Whatever their reality is at that moment, if you go with their flow and where they're at that moment, it's going to be a lot easier for the people that do have the memory. You just have to lean into where they're at. And I think, I think right. being a family member is different than being someone who is, is not as attached or doesn't have a history because, you know, it can be very jolting when someone that you grew up with, who's raised you, calls right. you a whore. Right. Or doesn't know who you are. Anymore. Doesn't know who you are. You, and you can, and then you want to, you want to try to go, no, no, it's me. It's me. Yeah. And you try to force their memory. I think they get more agitated. Would you well, sure. Yourself? Sure. Right. And, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll check with the nurse um, when I've walked out. It's like, you know, so-and-so seems very agitated. 
you know, did they get their medication? Are they due? Um, what would be a good time to come back? And, you know, I'll check with them also because maybe they didn't get their medication yet. You know, um, so sometimes that's that's plays into it, too. Alisa, uh, I have a question. Speaking of medication, my mom was put on a drug called Depakote for a while, mm-hmm. which was responsible for her being in a wheelchair for the rest of her life because um what yeah what What? happened was is my mom was going to a doctor's appointment when when she lived at her facility before the jewish home and um she was agitated and uh you know which is one of the reasons why i want to do this podcast and why it's so important people need to be more aware of what alzheimer's looks like how it manifests because when my mom was agitated they got to the hospital and they assumed that she was having a mental breakdown and put her in lockup. <gasps> oh no. I yeah. Mean, that does happen. I mean, I want, and, and we need to talk about this, especially like someone very important, very important because my mother, I didn't know this till later when I found out she was there, we couldn't get her released right away. That's a whole nother story. It takes, because it's all bureaucratic. And you have to be there 72 hours. Mm-hmm. And then the admitting doctor has to be the one to release her. And he left for the weekend. Right. So on oh, and no. so forth. When I got there to visit her, she was in a chair tethered. <gasps> and I asked, why is she, why is my mother tethered? They oh, said, oh, because she, she's falls. She's not mobile. I said, what are you talking about? She walks five miles a day. She's yeah. absolutely mobile. Yeah. And then later when her primary doctor called me and said, you know, your mom's been on Depakote for about three months now. What is Depakote? What is that? It's a tranquilizer that they use on, you know, psychotic patients. Oh my goodness. And what it does is it enables them to be, it's, I call it the zombie pill. It's like the lights are on and nobody's home. Right. They basically rendered her useless. Okay. Yes. And my mom became a zombie. And I actually thought it had to do with the disease and that the disease had progressed. And then her doctor finally called me and says, you know, it's a black label drug for, you know, um, for people with dementia, meaning that it can cause them to have premature death. He said, do you, do you want me to take her off of it? I said, yes. I mean, is there a question? Absolutely. Do you know that she was, it was like a whole new person, but- she, I mean, she now talked again. She was happy. She wasn't talking at all. And then, but she never got out of the wheelchair. Oh my goodness. Mm. I'm so sorry. That's rough. Thank that's you. A rough, that's a rough, that's it a is. rough place because you want to think that the, um, you know, health professionals are making the right decision. And I cannot believe that you were not part of that decision. No, that I was not. Makes, that just blows my mind. How could a family member not be part of certain decisions? It's just, it's, un, it's unconscionable to me. No, and thank God for the doctor who made me aware of Depakote. Be See, careful, everyone, about that drug. Depakote, get your parents yes. off of it. Unless they're hurting themselves, you know, there, there's other ways to handle it better than that drug. And, so, wow. we, and we address those issues, too. I mean, we, we talk to nursing we go through the the whole team and let everybody know, okay, this is what's happening to this person. We're on, not really sure if it's medication or what's going on. So that way they can, you know, all the department heads, they'll, they go to a meeting, they address these issues and they go back out on the floor and they see what's going on. Yeah. So that's important, so, everybody. Make sure you know what drugs your parents But also get to know your, their, if your mom or dad or, or family member, brother, sister, whatever, has Alzheimer's dementia and they're working with someone in the occupational therapy, you know, department, talk to them. They're the ones that have hands on with your, with your loved one, you know, get to know them. 
Take Super them smart. out to dinner. Give them gifts, massages. <laughs> <laughs> gifts are good, right, Lisa? <laughs> no, we're not allowed to accept them, no. So don't don't give them gifts. Just bring them nice, beautiful, loving energy. Yes. That's the right. gift. That's the gift <laughs> that we go. can all give each other. And that's hopefully what we're bringing to all of our listeners and you and us. And we want to bring love. We want our intention right. is to, you know, basically information is power and we want to bring information so we can actually help alleviate stress if we can and just learn how to deal with this and wrangle this better. At least I have a question for you. How do you deal with the caregivers who are coming in and how do you address them? You know, we tell them about the progress and um, how things are going. And if we, you know, need something to help them, sometimes we make, um, try to make them more feel at home and comfortable, bring them something in that belongs to them to that they can connect to um that way if they're having some behavioral episodes they have something to to like yeah, anchor like, them back to their know, their favorite blanket or a, a picture or something you know we that helps you know like just to connect them like okay this is my place my spot my area um a lot of times i'll treat them right in their rooms because they're real familiar there and it's you know you get them out of the room or if i take them into the therapy room it's just so overwhelming for them you know, they shut down and they won't do anything. So we'll go back to their room and just do things there. Um, you just gotta, every person's different and you gotta treat every person the way, what works best for them. So do the family members, they, the family members interact with you in, on a consistent oh, yes. basis? Oh yeah. And are they directing you in any way or are you, I mean, if they have a concern, them? a lot of times if they have concerns, um, like, um, this didn't happen or that didn't happen. Um, I'll go find out what, you know, check with the nurse. I'll check with the social worker. Um, we advocate for them. We'll go get to the source. So that way they're feeling at ease and they're feeling better about their family member. You know, safety is a big issue too. You know, making sure everybody's making the, the patient safe when they're in our facility. So, right. And then making sure you're safe and, as well. You mean like getting punched and, and things like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, oh, and not, and not on purpose. It's just, that no, I know that they won't remember that. It's not like they're doing, and I know that it sometimes seems like it's on purpose. Right. So how, you know, when, you I, when I, when I work, when I work over at the, um, the one facility, that's completely Alzheimer's dementia. There's a certain time of the day, four or five o'clock, it's called sundowners and things start happening, you know, and, Patients will stand up and try to walk and, you know, by themselves and they really should not. So you try to de-escalate the situation. Okay, let's go for a walk and you take, you know, you work with that or it's time to sit down. Let's sit down and, you know, let's get a snack or you just redirect. So that way they stay safe. Right. And there do, I mean, some I've seen residents who get physical, you know, just come up like... (laughs) I had a friend of mine, a guy friend who was visiting with my mom and this one woman, I think she was trying to flirt with him and he wasn't, he wasn't responding the way she wanted to. So she kept going up and smacking him on the back of the head. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that can happen. Yeah. And so I'm sure you guys as therapists have to deal with that. And, you know, what do you do? What do you do when that happens? When they start getting physical? Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of, you know, sometimes you'll take them back to their room where they're feeling safe or if they're in their room, you have to like let the nurse know and you have to make sure they're safe. But then I, you know, I would come back, you know, a little bit later once they feel like, you know, they're not as agitated or 
um, being so irritable. Wow. Yeah, de-escalation at all times. Mm-hmm. You're not going to talk them out and, of it. You can't. And, re- no. and redirection. Because they're not going to know what is happening at that time, right? right. They're not, right. even though it seems and appears like they do and that they're in charge of their faculties. The biggest thing is making sure they're safe, you know, making sure they're safe and calm, you know, get them generally emotionally distressing. And, you know, you get the nurse, you get everybody kind of involved. So that way they're going to be okay. Because it's a lot for everybody. It's a, it's it is. It's all different sides. And right. really, how do we start talking about it and communicating? What does this look like? And right. How can we really love through that? Because it's hard when somebody's punching you. It's hard to say I love you. You know, it's difficult. Well, it's hard right? to right. not take it personally. And I think we need. No, to, we need. To, yeah. Right. That's the key factor. You you have to understand what they're going through. It's the disease. It's the process. Um, it's not them anymore. And this is just what's happening to them. Right. Um, and you know, and you they're just scared. To... And they're scared as well. And that's usually Correct. why people are, are, right. are agitated or reacting that way, because mm-hmm. they're in a lot of fear themselves about what is going right. on. I don't know where I'm at. Exactly. A lot of time, they just they want to go home. They want to go home. That's all they say. Yep. They want to go home. Lisa, that's such that's a great topic. We need to have that topic about going to go home because that is that is a chant that you hear all the time and I used to hear it when my mom lived with me I okay see you later I'm going home and you'd say you're home ah no I don't think so right and and it becomes we usually say you know maybe tomorrow um you know we'll have to talk to your daughter or we have to talk to your son but maybe tomorrow or you know we just try not to make it sound like you're never going home right they don't understand that. They don't. Sometimes you can play along with it. Like I know there's um, a few facilities now that are these kind of experimental facilities, almost like contained cities where they'll, you go, let's go to the bus. We're going to pick up a bus to go home. And by the time you go to the bus stop and you get to talking with them, they calm down and they forget that they wanted to go home. Right, right. So that's ah, all the nice little things to learn. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Lisa, <laughs> thank you so, so much. Um, You're welcome. And we really appreciate you for what you do and others that are like you. And, and it's, it, 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 it makes my heart so much fuller to know that there are people like you that take care of the people that we love. You're an incredible human being, Lisa. Yeah. I, I second that emotion. I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, you sharing your, your expertise and your stories with us and, and, and your experience. And, and of course we thank you, our listeners and we hope you liked our show. And if you did, please subscribe and share the podcast with others who are also dealing with Alzheimer's. And we have so many incredible guests lined up again, more and more. And um, hoping that we are inspiring you and informing you. And send us comments and, and suggestions for topics. If there's things that you want to know more about, we're, we're there for you. We'll get somebody that knows and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. So you can message us on anywhere on all of the social medias, Love Conquers Alls. And remember, love is powerful, love is contagious, and love conquers all. Bye-bye. Bye. All you gotta do is sing a song. Bye.